well, as always on a Friday morning, it's an absolute joy to come together and to lift up the name of Christ and to see him revealed with the songs that we sing and as we look at his word now this morning, to have our hearts knit together like a tapestry with the various colors and backgrounds and languages, and we are truly one in Christ. And as we begin this morning in our time of looking at God's word, I'm going to ask the children ages 5 to 11 to please go ahead and head towards the back quietly and find their teachers. And, and as, as they dismiss, you heard Chris Moritz as he was praying for us. He was alluding to the fact that after our worship gathering today, we're going to have a special event. It's called the Welcome Lunch. And so if you've been to ECC Off-Island for the last several months, we'll say maybe since the summer, the last five or six months or so, and, and you're kind of new and you're checking out the church and you're, you're not a member, but you want to know more about who we are and how to get connected and maybe you want to meet some other people, we invite you to come today to the Welcome Lunch. It's just for you, for all of our guests. And there are maps there on the back table. And so if, if you're not sure where to go, Lance and Kelly Bullington, who oversee our care ministry team, they're going to be hosting it. Um, and so we do invite you to come join us and meet other people and get more connected into the body. And so that's afterwards. But first, we have a lot of work to do. We have to look at God's word and, and be challenged, yet encouraged from his word. You know, we've been talking about Jesus called, follow me. And quite honestly, there are a lot of things that we could follow. And I'm sure if you're honest, you follow lots of things. I'm sure you follow the stock market. Some of you, you probably log on most days and just see how it's going. Some of you might, I don't know, follow movie stars or celebrities. Maybe you follow, I don't know, your Facebook account and you're always following certain people and what are they doing and Twitter and who's eating lunch where and when I went to the bathroom and what's happening in so-and-so's life and you're following people on Twitter or, I don't know, maybe you follow sports. Maybe for you, every day you log on to see how your team is doing. And I got my first taste of rugby last week. I went to Andre's house and I watched the All Blacks New Zealand that unfortunately beat South Africa. Um, and if you're from New Zealand, well, too bad. I was going for the Springboks in that game. And I was introduced to rugby. And it was really pretty interesting. I really enjoyed it. Sadly, you know, the team I was rooting for lost. But I enjoyed the experience. But there are people that they really get just consumed in following even sports. There are lots of things that we could follow, and, and we do so. The reason why we follow these different things or people in their life is because it brings us a measure of joy. I mean, it does. There's joy in all these kinds of things. But the reality is that, that the joy that we'll garner from following any of those very earthly things is very fleeting. And I myself follow sports, and I'll be honest with you, if my team loses or wins, it doesn't change my day. It changes nothing. It doesn't impact me, and my day's not better or worse. It's just entertainment. But when Jesus says, follow me, we had this call to follow Jesus. It is not entertainment. And it is not a fleeting, passing, temporal joy. It is satisfying, which is why Jesus says that he is living water and he is the bread of life. Only he satisfies that 
those longings deep inside of our soul, Jesus alone can satisfy. And so when Jesus says to his disciples, and by extension you and me, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He's calling us to be his disciples. He's talking about answering this call to discipleship, this call to follow Jesus. And in this teaching series, Follow Me, we began by asking the question, well, why exactly, let's define our terms, why are we here? Why is ECC off-island here? And, and we defined our mission as we are here. Our mission is to glorify God. We've been talking about that with all that we sang this morning. Glorify God, specifically, how? By making and developing disciples. That is why we are here, and that is why you are here. And that's, that's our mission that we're about together because our Savior, who died and was resurrected, has given us this mission. And a disciple, quite simply, is someone that has repented of their sins, puts a complete trust in Jesus, and they're born again of his spirit. And it's faith in Jesus. It's responding to Jesus plus nothing. There's no ritual. There's no work. You can't earn it. He gives it to us freely, what he purchased on the cross. And we've been looking at John 17. We'll, we'll be in this chapter for the rest of this series. And this was a prayer that Jesus had, that he prayed to the Father the night before he was crucified. When he ends his prayer, soon thereafter, he's betrayed, he's arrested, he's on trial, and he's crucified. And this is the last recorded prayer. And what we learn as he's praying, he's describing his mission. And his mission is all about his glory. That's the entire theme of John 17, is the glory of Christ. And how he shares that glory with the Father. And he has displayed that glory in redemption and taking people like you and me that were enemies of Jesus, that we didn't love him. And many of you here that received Christ when you were already adults, I was a five-year-old child, but I remember that burden of sin. I remember distinctly kneeling at my parents' bed and asking Jesus to forgive me because I knew that I had offended him. As much as a five-year-old could understand, I knew that I needed a Savior. And if you receive Christ as an adult, you remember what it was like when you heard the gospel and you ignored it. And you heard it again, and you blew it off yet again. And you heard it a third time, and you said, now nah, I don't need that. And then, who knows when, how many times you heard the gospel, but on that one fateful day, you heard the gospel yet again. And on this day, for the first time, you said, oh my God, I am a sinner. And Jesus died on the cross for me, and I must responds to him with faith and repentance and give him my life as we just sang. Let it be consecrated to thee. Let it be made holy for you. I want to live for you. And on that day when you repented and believed in Christ, that was supernatural. That doesn't just happen. That doesn't happen unless it's God himself that enables it through the power of his spirit. And so Christ receives all the glory when anyone repents and believes in the gospel. And so we who are the redeemed, we then see this mission that God has given to the Son to come and redeem the world. And so if that is God's mission, to see lost people redeemed to glorify Him, then certainly our mission must flow from that. It's only logical to assume 
that the mission that God gives to us through his son flows from the mission that he gave to his son in the first place. We read that last week. That the father sent the son and not the son sends us. And so we're to reproduce, we're to multiply, we're to plant more churches. We're to be intentional in reproducing, in multiplying who we are because we want to see more people that are worshiping Christ along with us. And so our mission is to glorify Christ by making and developing disciples. And so last week we began this journey by asking, well, okay, that makes sense, but how do I do it? What exactly is our strategy? It's there in your notes. We talked about this last week. And, and there's three key words that we find in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, which is growth, community, and influence. And so today we'll be looking at growth and also next week and in two weeks on the next two so that we get our minds around how we actually become and develop disciples. And so talking about growth and community and influence, the reason why it's circular is you need all three. It's not okay if you only do one. If you are reading your Bible and you are truly growing in your faith, yet you never have any influence, you never serve anyone, you're going to be unhealthy. Or even if you, if you do read and you are growing, yet you have no community, you're doing life alone, you're on an island, you're not going to become who God wants you to be either. You need all three. You need to be growing intentionally, but you need to experience authentic community, and you need to use your influence for Christ. You need to be doing all three. Not just one, not just two. And so not only do you need all three, do I need all three, but as a church as a whole, we need to be living life with all three elements continuously so that we become who God wants us to be. And so let's talk about this foundational truth for growth on how this works. How do we grow spiritually? Disciple must grow. And so in your notes there, the truth for today is disciple must, the blank there is grow. You must grow to become like the master. That is our purpose, to have the image of Christ, to be more like him, to think like him, to, to overcome those lingering sins that, that will tempt us. And I was talking to a friend that was going to Vegas, and he was like, thankfully for me, that's not really a temptation. And I said, well, great. For a lot of people, Las Vegas is a very tempting place. I said, the fact that you can go there and feel no temptation is an act of God's grace. It's good. It's a blessing that you can go there and not feel tempted. But I said, but the reality is all of us have a flavor of sin that we're drawn to. I might like Rocky Road. You might like, I don't know, vanilla bean. Or you might like, you know, sherbet. You may have a different flavor that you like that your soul yearns toward. But all of us have our sins that we can gravitate, have a, a propensity toward. All of us have those things. All of us have those things, whether it be greed or lust or impatience or laziness. You name it. All of us have something. And so the goal for a disciple is to grow and become like the master, to think like him, to be more like Jesus. Now, to me, spiritual growth is interesting because we all want it, right? Anyone here not want to grow? Anyone happy where you are? Content? I've arrived. Anyone? Of course not. We all want to grow. You wouldn't be here on a Friday morning if you were content with where you were. You would have stayed in bed. You wouldn't have come. The fact that you're here tells me that you care, that you really do want to grow. Yet what's interesting is all of us yearn to grow spiritually, 
Yet there can be a lot of confusion over it. It's kind of like when you hear of words like plutonium or uranium, especially next to Iran. You know, we're not, we're not very far from Iran and this rogue nation, and, and they're enriching these different elements. And we all hear the terms plutonium and uranium, but what is it? Can you tell me? Do you have any idea what it, some of you, I know, well, fine, one of you might know, but most people don't know what it is, don't know how it works, and what does it have to do with making a nuclear weapon? I don't know. I have no idea, but I could talk about it. Yeah, you know, you ran with plutonium. Well, what is plutonium? I don't even know what it is. I know it's periodic table elements. I know it's on there, but I don't know how it works, and I don't know how it helps make a bomb. I don't have any idea. But we use the terms all the time, don't we? That can happen to us with spiritual growth. We, we talk about it, and, and we throw out these words, which means everyone knows things that we know, but we don't know. We don't, it's like when I was in college and I was writing a paper. I became the master of being able to write just enough to make my professor think that I knew, but I didn't really know. I mean, if he would have asked any questions, I would have been like, ah, I got nothing. But, but I, could, I could deceive him by using the right words and, and confuse him enough where I'll get at least a B. Until I got to seminary and I got my butt kicked. And I realized, oh, yeah, you have to know some things. It matters. To use the buzzwords to say, oh, yes, I'm growing spiritually. Really, how? Most people aren't really sure. How does that happen? What are, what are the elements? How do you actually make a bomb with plutonium and uranium? How do you actually grow? What are the ingredients and how do they work together? How does it actually happen in your life and in mine? That's what we're talking about today and next week. We're talking about how does it actually happen? How do we grow? What, what are the ingredients? And the last thing I want you to think is plutonium? Ask a physicist. I don't know. Ask the pastor about spiritual growth. He, surely he knows. No, surely you must know. It's not just the pastor who should know. All of us need to truly know how this works. And so we're going to read John 17. We're going to find some insights from Jesus on how disciples grow and develop. Because that's our mission, to make them and develop them. John 17, we read verses 1 through 5 last week. Today we're in verses 6 through 10. And here's what Jesus says. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and they have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Amen. Verse 6 is important. Jesus says that he, Jesus, has manifested, revealed, the name of God to the people, to his disciples. So what does it mean when he says that he's manifested the name of God? Well, someone's name describes their character. 
in, in, in the ancient Near Eastern world, someone's name was connected to who they were. And so to know someone's name was to know them, to know their heart, to know their character, the fundamental qualities of what someone is. And so if you talk about Matthew Levant, the words quiet, reserved, passive would not be used. You wouldn't use those words for my name. You would use words like intense, you know, or you name whatever all the ones you want. But so my name would be associated with specific qualities, and your name would have your own qualities. We're all unique. And so when Jesus describes the name of God the Father, he is revealing the heart of God. He's revealing who God is. And so to know their name is to know them personally. And so Jesus here, when he says, Father, I have revealed your name to the ones you gave me. He is saying, I have revealed you. And now they know you personally. And he says, to whom you have given to me. So Jesus is acknowledging here that the Father is the one. He is the architect. He is the one that has orchestrated redemptive history. The plan belongs to the Father. He is the one that has given believers to the Son. You are a love gift from the Father to the Son. Listen to this. You are a love gift that the Father has specifically loved and chosen, and you are the object of his affections. He loves you. And he showed that love by saying, here. And he has given you to Jesus. And he said, I love them too, Father, and I'll die for them. I don't want you, Father, to be far from them. Their sin has broken the relationship. So I'll go die for them so that you can then forgive them and we can be together for eternity. Indeed, this is a love story. But it's not a love story how we see in fairy tales. This is the ultimate one that is true. We belong to Jesus. We belong to the Father. And he says, they have kept your word. Verse 6, this is the bottom line hallmark. You want to find out a disciple's characteristics, the most important one, keeping the word of God obeying Jesus by obeying his word and so that is the bottom line summary disciples keep God's word and then verses 7 through 8 very important because he describes how now they know that everything that you've given me is from you and I've given them the words that you gave me and they have received them and so the father gives words to the son and then the Son then gives the words to us. He's passing the mission that he received to us. This is important. Because the mission that you and I have is so much bigger than you or me. It's bigger than ECC off-island. This is a global plan. This is about God's glory being displayed to the nations and it has come from the Father to the Son, and now given to us. And then verse 9 is absolutely just beautiful. I am praying for them. Can you just stop there for a second? This is Jesus. 
who spoke and created the world. Supreme authority and power, and Jesus thinks so highly of you that he is praying for his disciples and his future disciples, you and me. He's praying for us. And we belong to him. We belong to the Father. Jesus wants us to accomplish the purpose that we were created for. Our hearts can yearn after so many other things and pursue things that aren't intended for us. Yet he hears praying for us that we will accomplish our purpose for existing. And verse 10 briefly, beautifully summarizes our purpose is all mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. Your purpose. You breathe, there is lung, or I'm sorry, there is air in your lungs, rather, and there is blood pumping from your heart through your whole body, and all, all of your body, everything that's happening to keep you sitting here alive and cognizant, your purpose for living is to glorify Jesus, and Jesus here is praying that we would glorify him. See, when you grow spiritually, become like the master, you, you reflect God's glory. You have more of his characteristics. And so now your characteristics of your sinful self begin to be more diminished, and you begin to reflect and display God's glory more and more every single day. And that glorifies God. But you see, the problem is, as humans, you know what we like? We love religion. We love it. We love rituals. We do. We love them. And you might think you don't, but you do. All of us do on some level. Because what Jesus is talking about here has nothing to do with religion or rituals or what you can do to somehow impress God or to earn his favor. This is all about relationship. And by the way, relationships take work. Rituals don't take much work. You just, your ritual and you're done. Check, I'm done. Go on to the next thing. But relationships, if you're married, you know this. You know, you already know. It's work. It's not easy. It takes effort and energy, and I have to be engaged. And I get up in the morning, and I want to do my thing, and there's the bed, and it's not made. And I have to think, well, should I make the bed, which I don't really want to, or am I going to? Well, because of the relationship with my wife, I'm going to make the bed. And then you know what happens? She'll take a nap and mess it up. I'm like, what are you doing? You can't lay down in bed until we're going to bed at night. Because I did my ritual. I checked the box. Bed made. Check. You're not allowed to use it. But you see, here's the thing. If I did it out of relationship, then I'll just gladly make it again. Because it brings her joy. You're washing the dishes or you name whatever it is for you. It's not about the ritual. It's not about duty. It's about relationship. And that is always much more work because it's much more internal. It addresses the heart, not the external behavior. Behavior is easy. Rituals are easy. Relationship, having your heart altered, by the power of God, having your heart gripped by Jesus, now that requires you to be much more engaged 
And typically, we don't want to do that. And so we'll do things because it's just easy and ritualistic. But see, here's the thing. Spiritual growth is all about relationship. It's just that simple. Spiritual growth is about relationship. For you to grow as an individual, to grow in your marriage, as a parent, as a believer in Jesus, it's all about relationship. Not about duty or ritual. It's about the relationship. And so today we're going to talk about your relationship to God and how you grow in your private life. Next week, we'll talk about how you grow in the more public. And so today is the more personal, next week the more public. But it's the same principles. It's the exact same three principles that apply to your personal life and your public life. And so let's talk about this, the three ingredients that you must have. You don't have these three, you're not going to grow. Tell you right now, if you have all three, you will grow. Number one, grace. You need grace. I'm going to give you all three, and then we'll come back, and I'll fill in and give you more information in case you have an understanding of this. But number one is grace. Number two is truth. So if you have your blanks and filling them in, number one is grace. Number two is truth. Number three is time. You need all three. You need grace, and you need truth, and you need time. You'll need to have one or two. It's not going to happen. You need all three continuously for you to grow every day. And so let's talk about how this works. And, and why am I saying grace plus truth plus time? Well, because that's what the Bible describes Jesus as. If you look in John, the very same book we're in, but just go backwards to chapter 1. So we've been in John 17, same author. Go back to John chapter 1. And listen to how the same author John, through the Spirit's inspiration, describes Jesus. Read verse 14, and then we'll jump to verse 17. So John 1, 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of what? grace and truth. And you go to verse 17 and 18, same paragraph. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So he says, no one has seen God the Father except the God who is at his side, Jesus has made him known. Jesus and the Father are one. They share in the divine essence. We, we serve one God, but there are three persons. And so God the Father and God the Son are both part of the same trinity. And so what you see here is Jesus has made God known. And what are the two words that describe the very heart of who Jesus is in the heart of God? Grace and truth. He is grace and he is truth. Grace is unmerited favor, undeserved favor. Undeserved love. And so you can't earn God's love by grace. He's given it to you. He died for you. But God is not just grace. He's also truth. He's both in complete equality. There is truth that he died for you. The Bible is the truth. And so God is truth and God is grace. And you need both. You need both. Because what happens if, if someone is messing up and I say, well, they need grace. And, and like, say, my children, to make it personal, if my son or my daughter are misbehaving and I just give them grace every single time, are they ever going to grow? No. 
They need truth. They need a good dosage of truth on their bottoms every now and then. They need truth. But you know what? If you have all truth, 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 and there's never any grace, what happens? You create Pharisees. That's not helpful either. You need both and complete balance. You need truth in your life, and you need grace. You need both because that's who God is. He's truth and he is grace. But then there's the third one that added is grace plus truth plus time. Well, why do I say that? 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Here's what Paul says. Again, spirit inspiring him. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Here's what he says about spiritual growth. He says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. Listen, we see the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. There is, I could preach in just that more than one message, but just here very briefly, he says that we're beholding, we're seeing what? What do we behold? The glory of Christ. Just a glimpse of Jesus is sufficient enough to completely grip our hearts. And so we see Jesus, we see his glory on the cross, we see the gospel, and then we're transformed, we're changed, we grow. But how? Into what? Into the same image, into Jesus. Remember talking about having his image, being conformed to Christ's image, having his character? And so we see Jesus, we see the gospel, and and then what happens is our hearts are then conformed to his image. How? from one degree of glory to another. There's degrees here. There's varying degrees, and this comes from the Holy Spirit. And so one person's degrees may be more than someone else's, and so one person who's more intentional may grow more quickly than someone else who's lazy. There are different degrees of growth, and God is the one that's growing, but it is a process. It's a process for all of us. So that's what I say, it takes time. It takes time for us to grow. And so here's kind of the equation, if you like math. Grace plus truth plus time equals growth. So these three, when you have all three, grace plus truth plus time equals growth. As we see here in 2 Corinthians, transformation. And so we submit, we do our part, submitting to Christ, obeying his word, pursuing him in relationship. And then the Holy Spirit, as it says in 2 Corinthians, is the one that transforms us and makes us grow. So let's talk for a few minutes here briefly. It it won't be an hour, I promise. Just briefly. These three components and how it works with you personally with God. And so grace, you see in your notes, it's based on what? On duty, right? It's, It's based on rituals, isn't it? No. It's based on relationship. It's based on relationship with God. And so we just read here in John 17, verse 6, that to know the name of God is to know him personally. So we're, we're seeing Jesus revealing it's about knowing God. And so we need to get to know him. And by the way, we get to. It's this privilege that we get to know him. And so God's grace is manifested in your life when you get to know him better. And so the more you grow in your relationship with Jesus, 
the more you're going to experience God's grace. It's going to be more manifested in your life. And so it's about maintaining and fostering a daily intimate relationship with Jesus. What happens is if you forsake it, your heart grows cold. I had not been on a date with Bonnie since, I don't know, since we moved here, like months. And there was one person who kept saying, we'll watch the kids, go out on a date, we'll watch the kids. And finally, I said, man, I, I need to be alone with my wife without the kids around. So I called her, and it was like three hours ahead of time. I'm a great planner. And she says, I'll be there. She's awesome. I'll name her, but she, she'd be embarrassed, so I'm not going to. But. And she showed up, watched the kids, and just having a chance to look at my wife and talk to her without the kids pulling on my leg or asking questions to do this or just connecting with her. It was so great. And we need to do it more often. And by the way, so do you if you're married. You need to do that. Spend time with your spouse. It's about the relationship, fostering it. And you'll experience God's grace. It's going to change everything if you will be intentional. And so how does this work? It's really not that hard. Prayer or meditation. I'm talking about praying every day. Praying is just talking to God. We can't complicate it. It's just talking to him. Having him on your mind. And, and meditation is just simply focused thinking. And so when I say prayer and meditation, they go hand in hand. I'm saying you read the Bible. I'm saying you pray, you talk to him. And I don't mean the kind of prayers at the, at the dinner table. You think of his food, amen. I'm not talking about those kind of prayers. I'm talking about the kind of prayer where you just talk to him. You just tell Jesus how much you love him. You just connect with him. And then you think and you focus and you meditate on that. You'll, you'll experience his grace like never before. You will. It's the relationship here. We're talking about truth as well, and that's based on the word of God. It's not based on pop psychology. It's based on God's word. And so verse 8, Jesus says that his disciples have received his words, and then they have kept his words. And so just like the original disciples, we too were called to keep God's word. Hey, let's just be honest. Living here in the UAE, it's demanding, right? Isn't it demanding? Is it busy? Is it frustrating sometimes? Yes. Are there temptations that come your way? Yes. Some of you are far from family. Some of you here haven't seen your children in a long time. Maybe not your spouse in quite a while. And maybe your spouse lives in the same city, Abu Dhabi, but you never see them because they work 100 hours a week. Or I mean, they're just, they're just not home. And it can be very hard. And this, this place would just drain you, as I've spoken to many of you, and, and I, I honestly can feel your pain. It can be very fast and demanding. And I'm telling you right now, if you don't have truth in your life every day, to combat the attacks from Satan, because they're coming at you from every direction. Those flaming arrows are, are aimed right at you, and he is shooting, he's gunning for you. He wants to take you down. First Peter 5 describes Satan as a roaring lion seeking whom to devour, and he's not playing around. I was talking to a couple that went to the circus last week. Anyone went to the circus last week? No? Circus was in town. And from what I hear, it's, oh, but they're not animals, right? I, I think it was just like the acrobats and stuff. But 
But if you go to like a real circus where there's animals there, right? And you have like these lions, but they're, they're like drugged up, tame, weak, you know, little lions. It's not, it's not like a real lion. Satan is not some circus pansy drugged up lion. That there's a guy sticking his head in there and he doesn't get hurt. That's not Satan. He's a real spiritual lion who wants to eat you up. He wants to ruin your life and destroy your family and sabotage your reputation. He wants to ruin you. I don't know how else to say it. He hates you. You know why he hates you? Because you have the image of God. When he sees you, you know what he sees? He sees Jesus. You share his image. He has shared his image with you. And he hates God. So guess who he hates too? He hates you. He can't stand to look at you. This world is too hard with too many temptations and too many challenges. We need truth in our life every day. We need, we need this. We need to read this every day. If you don't have truth in your life, you really have no hope. You're not going to grow. You need to read it. You need to study it. You need to memorize it. You need to think about it. You need to spend time. The Word of God is truly powerful and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, and it pierces to the division of joints and marrow and to the division of soul and spirit. And it exposes the intentions and desires of the heart. That's what the Word of God does. And it's so important that we know it, that we live it. We have truth in our lives. You know why? Because of the relationship. Because when you read this, you're, you're reading kind of like a love note that God has given you to know Him better. It's all about the relationship. It's not about duty, mind you. Remember that. And so we need grace in our lives. This is the relationship with Jesus. And we need truth in our lives. But as I say, we need time. And I'm saying here in your notes, it's on being intentional. So intentionality with God. It can't be haphazard. If you're not intentional, it won't happen. You need to be intentional and diligent to spend time with your master. To learn from him. You don't spend time with him, you won't grow. Like I said, today we're talking more on the personal growth. Next week we'll talk about more of the public and how grace, truth, and time also applies to you growing in community. But we'll talk about that more next week. But as far as today, our goal is to be more developed, more like Jesus. That's what we're here is to glorify God by making and developing. So we need to grow and and so I just want to ask the question is, how are you doing with your personal growth? What are you reading? What do you think about? How much time do you spend talking to Jesus? Are you intentional with it? If you're not, it's not going to happen. And it's very easy when I talk about these things to just think, oh, well, that's just a ritual. Read the Bible, check. No, 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 no. 
Here's where we go wrong. I'm telling you, we blow it. You know what we do? We try to be like Jesus. I'm just trying. I'm really trying to be like Jesus. I'm trying to be godly. I'm trying to have integrity. I'm trying to have purity. Is that working for you? Let me guess. No. And by the way, stop it. Stop trying. Don't even try to be like Jesus. It's not going to work. You know what you need to do instead? Train to be like Jesus. Don't try because you'll fail. Train to be like Jesus. It's like if I said, I'm going to go try and run a marathon tomorrow. You know what a marathon is? 26.2 miles. Miles, not kilometers, okay? That's a marathon without stopping. With no car, with no scooter or bike, just running nonstop for like four hours or less than that if you're really good, okay? I can't, do, now I can try. I'm going to fail by mile three, maybe. I'm not going to make it. I can try the marathon, but I'm going to fail. You can try to be like Jesus and you're going to fail. But you know what you can do? You can train for the marathon. You can train for it. Every day you run a little bit. Every day you run a little bit more. Every day you run, you eat a good diet. You're being healthy. You're training. You're training. You're training. After months of training, guess what you can do? You can run a marathon. But if you don't train, you, you won't succeed. You see, reading and meditating and praying and having time with Jesus is about the relationship that makes you healthy, and you're being trained for godliness. You're being trained. And so it's this constant training every day, spending time with him and growing and getting better and knowing him more, and your life begins to change. And so don't try. Train. Have your heart drawn near to his. So that's the essence of growth. How does it work? This equation of Time with, of course, grace and truth. And so that's my heart, is that we'll have a church that is truly healthy, a church that is growing, not just numerically. That doesn't matter to me. It's spiritually, that's what matters the most, that we can then accomplish our mission. If we're not growing, we can't accomplish the mission. If we're healthy and strong, then we can. I'm going to ask the praise team to come forward and as we, as we close this morning, this is important. Because the way this works is we submit to him, and then he does the growing. And if you're here today, and, and this notion of growing is just confusing to you, you can go to the back table, fill out a welcome card, and just write your note. And I can call you, and we can meet and talk about this more. I've met with several of you in private and helped you with some of these things. I'd be happy to do that with you. Or if you have questions on what it means to truly follow Jesus or how to begin that journey, we can do that. I can talk to you and answer your questions. It's not that complicated. You repent and you believe in Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father, this morning we are humble that you would hear us, that you would reveal yourself to us and allow us to know you. Thank you that you don't ask us to even attempt to do anything for you on our own, but you give us your Holy Spirit, you give us your word, you give us this community, 
and we can truly grow to become more like you, Father. Help us to not be satisfied. Help us to have a just righteous discontentedness. Help us to be discontent and to want more of you. Help us to be a church that is truly growing, being more like your son, a church that has purity and integrity, where we're trained to be like you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for this time you've given to us and just lift it up in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.